This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen. Hello and welcome to From the Old Brewery, a podcast from the School of Language, Literature, Music and Visual Culture here at the University of Aberdeen. Uh, my name is Ian Gross. I'm a PhD research student in creative writing and co-hosting today's episode with uh, Marianne Fossaluza. Hi, Marianne. Hello. Uh, I'm uh, as well a PhD student, but in visual culture for myself. And uh, you might possibly remember me from the second episode of the podcast, if I'm correct showing off. So if you want to learn more about my boring research. <laughs> <laughs> well, also today's guests were joined with uh, by artist Lisa Olson, uh, who's current artist in residence with the Mori Way We Must Walk project. And she's also a PhD research student working in sonic arts here at the school. Um, and I'll just hand over to Marianne, who will tell you a bit about uh, Lisa's background. Of course. So, Lisa, you work uh, in between a sphere of space and the sonic, and the perception of in-between experiences is the main focus of your practice-based research. Uh, your work aspires to uncover the traces of what is hidden and reveal ephemeral moments using stories, sounds and images. Now, you believe that the in-between has an ambiguous status. Uh, However, you seem to consider it is a dynamic space for creative possibility, which sounds extremely interesting. (laughs) So you're using your work to create a platform for social participation and shared experiences. Uh, Your art practice involves facilitating community sound projects, sound walking events, and creating immersive sound compositions. Now, you aim to explore new media and immersive 3D sound technologies to encourage people to think about our uh, our connection to place, nature and society. And finally, you question, can in-between experiences enable a deeper level of engagement or even create a happening of truth within an immersive soundscape? Deep question. Mm -hmm. Liz, hi, welcome. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, I think we can kick off and start with our very first question. Uh, Your training and practice were initially focused on visual arts. So how did you come to the sonic arts? Well, I think initially it was one of the first projects I did that was involved walking. Um, I walked the length of the River Tay from source to sea. And as I was walking along the... A landscape. Mm-hmm. I think I, w- I got myself into a valley, and I was I was right beside the river, and obviously you can hear the flow of the river. And I heard this tiny little tinkering. Um, I think it might have been, you know, something maybe just banging a gate or something like that. And you could hear it vibrating mm-hmm. um, and resonating right across uh, this valley. And it was a very small noise, mm-hmm. but it it seemed very prominent with this backdrop of the river. And I was just like, oh, I really need to capture that. And obviously I didn't have any sound equipment on my own and I just caught it with my mobile phone. And then listening back, it was, it was very disappointing. Um, <laughs> it was a you, terrible recording. You it was such a, an atmospheric picture there as well. That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but built, I didn't manage... It really, built it up. But I didn't capture it. Um, so that was initially, it was like, oh, well, you know, I really want to explore this. I really want to learn how to capture 
um, certain sounds that are in the environment. So I think that's the initial, that's what made me uh, become curious for sound. But then I also think about um, spatialization and spatial sounds, and I was very curious about that. And I was doing all kinds of silly experiments, um, like uh, taking microphones, swinging them about. I was really trying to get movement, um, like I'd take a sound and try to create, recreate movement within um, sound. So, you know, it was quite experimental as well as, as uh, capturing sounds in the environment. That's fascinating, that, that sense of space, I suppose. Mm. That swinging a microphone, you get that sense of volume in the space, I guess, maybe. Yeah, well, I created this um, sculpture, I called it, um, it was a stargate, it was, an, uh, it was a portal into another world. Oh, cool. <laughs> and it was about six foot tall, oh, um, wow. and I wanted the sound, a sound to move round it. Um, so, I, I was, oh, so I was creating things, but I always wanted a sound element um, to enhance the experience. And I mm-hmm. think this is maybe the first step into uh, being curious about immersive soundscapes. Mm. So to begin with it, it sort of augmented your existing art and then the, and then it's become much more of a feature in itself. As, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, just as a, in terms of the, doing a PhD, you're already a practising artist, have been for, for quite a while, and just wondered what uh, framing your practice within or by a PhD brings, adds to it for you. What, what does that bring for you? Well, I think without, before I started the PhD, I felt quite empty. Like, um, the the art that I was creating, or um, I just didn't seem to be um, focusing deep enough um, or doing enough research. So the work I seemed to do, or this is how I felt about my work, Uh it just seemed to be on a surface level, and I wanted to to go deeper, and and it felt... It just felt a little empty. So that's one of the reasons, I guess, that I wanted to do a PhD. But then I also um, love learning. Uh-huh. So, and I was very interested in my subject. Um, and I wanted, I was keen to learn more. So Yeah, I think that's what brings us all to it, I think. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. We've just become obsessed by our subjects. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and it just seems like a good way to, to, so it brought that extra depth, that's great. Um, your work focuses on uh, the liminal, the fleeting and familiar, how you co- uh, as you call it. Could you expand a bit more on that? Uh, is it is it a way to become more uh, mindful of where we are, or uh, a way for us to gain a deeper connection to place, to space? So I thought about this word mindful, and obviously that's being aware, and the liminal moments. I'm not sure awareness is enough. Mm-hmm. I think it's more about being open mm-hmm. and being in a place where you can um, listen, particularly for sound, but listen deeply and um, give it the level of attention. So yes, in one respect, it is being mindful, but it's it's not it's not pre-predicting like mm. what you're looking at. Mm. It's being nice. open. Open and aware, and uh, a focused attention. Yes. Whereas sometimes I think people think of mindful as being a kind of open, an an open wide spectrum of attention. But uh, I guess from what I understand from what you're saying, you're talking about 
being being open to something that might catch your attention and then focusing in on it. So when I think about in-betweenness, it's in between the sensed and the perceived, which are slightly different. Yeah. So if I was creating a work that was trying to work with those that with that aspect, I would try to create um, an effect um, that uh, plays against those things. So maybe you'll sense one thing, but you'll perceive something else. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like those mixed signals. Um, so that's what I would try to do uh, when I was creating a piece of work. So is, like, is it like the unreliability of the senses then, like the unreliability of memory in a way, just the way that we... Well, this is one of the things that really attracted me to sound is that I hadn't mentioned before, was that, that I can create or I can record something or I can uh, re-edit that and compose that sound, mm. but I have absolutely no control over how a listener perceives that sound. Mm. And that's so, the exciting space for you, is that what you did? But it's not, it's more than that. Um, when I think of maybe the visual arts, um, we deliver so much um, to the viewer. But for the listener, I'm only um, activating whatever is in their mind. Mm. So if they have a memory that's activated by a sound, it's their memory. Yeah. Um, it, and I have no control over it, mm -hmm. whether they have that memory or not. Um, and that's something special. So, yeah. And we were, chat we were chatting about your recent exhibition last time we had a chat. Uh, didn't you have an exhibition here at the university? And you, were, you mentioned about that um, re uncontrolled reaction. Yes, um, I had an exhibition in Wasps in Dundee. Oh, in Dundee. Sorry, yeah. you're not here. Yeah. And um, one of the... Somebody came in to have a listen uh, to the um, installation that I'd installed, which was a parachute which had images projected on it, but then it also had sound that was um, surrounding the, the parachute, mm. and the p person walked inside. And then they started listening to uh, the sounds, and then, they, first of all, they put their hood up, and wow. I was like, are you OK? And I said, yeah, I just don't like the sound of water. And then knowing that the sound, uh, it was a real sound of water, but then it slowly moved into uh, what you could perceive as maybe an un under the water sound. OK, mm. yeah. And that was it. She literally ran out the room. And I was like, no, this is not, this is not, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> no, but it's amazing that uh, it can have that visceral reaction in somebody. It's a real... Um, Realistic sound. Yeah, immersive. Mm -hmm. Moving on from from that work in general, uh, we know you're artist in residence at the moment with the Mori Way, uh, and it's the We Must Walk uh, residency. Would you be able to tell us a bit more about that, how you became involved with it, how long it's been running for, when you started, when you're likely to finish, mm -hmm. all that kind Should of thing? Should you say how long it's been walking for? Walking for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, initially um, it was an open call, and I applied, and I think that was um, um, sort of the early part of last year, which was 2021. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's been, um, long, it's been a long year, wasn't <laughs> <laughs> it? And I and I, I got the position, which was actually wonderful. Um, it's working with a, what the Scotland has a culture collective which is a, a lots of artist organisations all around Scotland that um, are doing work um, sort of uh, 
post-pandemic mm-hmm. because we had such a break during um, COVID and during lockdown. Yeah, a massive impact on all practising mm. artists, isn't it? So it was a way of um, getting creative practitioners back out there and back working in with the community. So the people that I'm working for is AIM and um, that's Arts in Murray and the Murray Way Association. So there's two partners. Uh-huh. And initially I had proposed, it was a very simple uh, proposal. I said that I was going to walk, observe, record and document. And that's what I've been doing. So the Murray Way is 100 mile circular route um, I've been walking from Forest, and I think the first question that came to me was, which direction do I walk in? <laughs> and I think I, I think it was about a whole week. I, you know, had asked people, and some people said, oh, you, you want to walk towards the coast first, and then other people said, no, you want to walk down the Speyside Way, <laughs> and others like, um, and walk up the Dava. But once I'd actually made my mind up, I decided to walk from Forest along the coast uh, to the Spey Bay and then up the River Spey. Yeah, heading and, upstream. Um, yeah, because I wanted to walk down the Dava and there was several reasons I wanted to do that. It's because I wanted to walk by the coast in summer Mm. <laughs> yeah, good. And I wanted to do the Speyside Way in autumn because it's like oh, some massive yeah. forest. It's a beautiful uh, river valley that in the autumn. It's utterly stunning. And then the Dava is um, a very open moorland, very exposed, and possibly the hardest time to walk it is in the winter period. But it's also the most dramatic. Mm. It's brown, it's black, it's purple, it's... You know, it's covered with snow. There's and the wind howls, so this is quite a dramatic place. So, have you I, have you do you go there beforehand to look at these locations and get a sense of the time of year you want to visit and things like that, or or is it just an intuitive decision that? Well, I'm not a, a durational walker. I'm I'm not into pain, so I like to <laughs> <laughs> I like to. Um, just walk small sections and sometimes if you walk somewhere, if you walk in one direction, if you walk backwards, it's a completely different experience. Mm. So I just do small sections at a time and obviously in a pre-predicted direction. And then if I find, I'll carry some sound equipment with me um, and photography and film equipment, uh, but if I find somewhere that I want to go back and revisit I'll do that. But then I'm also interviewing people along the way. So the more times that I can revisit a section, the more I can understand that part of the community. Because the project overall is about social engagement, but the community is a 100-mile circular route. And also the community is nomadic. Mm. So the more times I visit, the more I can... Oh, the community of the way... Yeah. You mean, the, not rather than the communities you, you visit? The, no, the so, people who yeah, walk yeah. the uh, the Murray Way are, are, in essence, nomadic people. Yeah, that's a really interesting... Just to, to think of the people who are walking the way as being a community in themselves, that's something that hadn't occurred to me. 
talking about community, at least, it's, it's perfect for my next question. Um, you talk, and even now, about creating a platform for social participation. I'm really personally really interested in that. So could you tell us uh, how you go about um, getting that social uh, participation and uh, maybe a bit more about those interviews and what, what you're trying to get um, out of them? What is What interests you in that? So the reason I'm um, taking, well, I'm recording lots of sound and interviewing uh, lots of people along the way is that I'm creating a sound map mm. so people can walk um, the different parts of the Murray Way and on their phone it can be activated um, by GPS and they'll mm -hmm. get a story or a sound that's mm -hmm. connected to that, that part of the area. Yeah. So I'm doing that, but I'm also um, I've also been doing events like sound walking and things like that because it's about um, engaging with the community. Mm -hmm. But then I realise uh, there's there's many different types of social engagement yeah. and how people and, and I think all art is engaging at some level. Now whether that's a reflective process or whether that is because they put input yeah. into the work or even that they have um, a, a bigger role, that they actually direct the work and you become recently a facilitator. Mm -hmm. So it's walking the route I come up with different or I new opportunities happen. Mm -hmm. So initially at the start, I, I did a sound walk. So that's a kind of engagement where people um, are listening to your sound, walking a set route. So you are, you're directing them, you're giving them instruction. That's one level of engagement. But then they're also reflecting on the work. Mm -hmm. So it's not just like looking at a picture, yeah. they're actively participating. And then I guess when, as I'm walking, I'm interviewing people mm -hmm. and this will be for the, the big sound map. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and that'll be, so when people listen to that, that's a different type of participation. They'll only be listening and uh, reflecting on the stories that are being told. It's going to be a map of many voices then. But I've just got to Abelour and I've met this amazing storyteller. <laughs> um, oh. His name's Ben. So <laughs> I'm now working with him mm -hmm. to um, create stories or he, to capture his stories mm -hmm. of his area and then adding soundscapes to that. So all these things are just building. Mm. Um, so maybe afterwards I'll be able to see what this community engagement is because at the moment I'm still in the process of exploring it. Mm. Have you heard of um, deep mapping? No. Because it sounds very much to me, it's, it's an approach to, uh, well, going off, off piece here a bit, but it's, a, and it's an approach to, to map a place or an area through these uh, multiple approaches. So you could traditionally map it with GIS or something like that, but you can also map it the way you're doing with sound and through walking and through story mm. and images, uh, music even. And it's a, it's a technique that's become um, <clears throat> popular within creative writing, actually, uh, but um, uh, it's multidisciplinary, though. It's not confined to one. You know, it's a multidisciplinary approach, and it just sounds, the way you describe it, sounds like... You're doing a deep map of the Murray Way. I'm going to have to look into that. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, it's well, it might be relevant. But um, going back to walking then, that's been something that seems to be a consistent kind of approach in your work. 
going all the way back, you were talking about um, walking the Tay, and I know you've walked the Dundee tram lines, mm-hmm. um, and obviously this project. And I just wondered what um, that feels like a natural draw for you, if, if that's right. And I wondered what what that draw was, and how how you you know managed to marry this this uh, urge to walk a landscape and the way you'd practice your art. That's a big question. Sorry, I know. I went on for ages. <laughs> it has a connection to writing as well, I think. So yeah. um, if, what I realised is walk. I struggle with writing, so I find it uh, quite hard, um, although I do quite a lot of it. So I thought, so when, so when I was doing writing or I had to write something, I would always go for a walk, and usually that would be to think about walking. And then if I ha- came across a problem um, or if I w- wanted to do a piece of art, if I wanted to explore something, it would usually start off with a walk. I'd maybe go to that area or, or, or go and visit what I wanted to explore and that would always involve a walk. And then I think I started to realise that a walk is very much like this linear narrative. Yes. You know, it has a beginning and a middle and an end. Mm. And I think it was some way, it was a building block of how I could work as an artist. It, it was this like these the structure to my to my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I go for a walk, it, I'll never I never ever seem to be stuck or if, if I never get touch wood, I never get artist block um, if you go for a walk because You've you've just got overcome that block straight away. Freeze up a different. Because you've just started. You've started the walk. Ah, I see. So you um, so there's always things going on. So I think that's how walking became so majorly important um, to my practice. That's wonderful. It's very interesting to hear it like that. (laughs) For someone who likes walking like me, it's just, but thinks about it much less. It's uh, it's it's a very. But I bet you find when you go for a walk, your your mind slips into a different gear yeah, and it frees up some space course, to think about things. It is a different space. I think it's wasn't it Aristotle who, who was um, advocating walking to to think better. So it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. When when I did uh, your little uh, presentation at the very beginning, we finished on on quite a massive, very interesting question that uh, caught my attention, especially uh, the, the second part where uh, you, you wonder if um, uh, it is possible to, to create a happening of truth within an immersive soundscape. Um, could you explain uh, in, in, in simple words for people like me, um, <laughs> <And> me. what, <laughs> what uh, the phrase happening of truth means? Because I found it very mysterious and interesting. So I'm, I've hummed and hawed over, over what I meant by that. Or <laughs> I've, I've, I've thought on how am I going to answer this question? And I think it leads on to what I, what I said previously about the mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about being in a place of uncertainty. Mm. It's about not um, either as a creator or as a listener. Mm-hmm. It's not about a uh, pre-predicting or um, pre-judging mm. what experience that you're going to have or 
to define something. Oh, yes, that's that's the sound of the river or that's the sound of mm. of a dog, to be simple terms. Yeah. So it's, I'm not trying to do that. But what you're trying to do is just to be uncertain, be unsure or of not knowing where you're going. And things reveal themselves, but then they also um, conceal themselves at the same time. Mm. So you've got this ever-turning thing um, where you recognise things or it brings memories to mind or you feel a certain ways and all these things connect. And as, as humans, we are what I call analogue creatures. We always feel things in degrees of. And that's where mm -hmm. I think the, the truth comes uh, within. If you can create something that creates that feeling mm -hmm. where things move and shift in between things, mm -hmm. then that is where the happening of truth comes within the work. And that's between the, the work and the listener. Mm. Uh, rather than the creator. The happening of truth is is to do with their experience rather than my experience. You just give give the frame for that to happen. Does, and just does hope the, for the best. Yeah, does the work speak? Does it yeah. does that sound speak to the person? Mm. Can they hear? As a pure sound rather than as the object that the sound emanates from, I suppose. That? No more to no. to do with the memory that mm. or the feelings that oh, okay. pro promote that are provoked in the listener. Ah, so the the emotion and the association. Yeah. To be open to that, to to the narrative to the, of the sound, I suppose. And so if if a, a happening of truth, which are big words, happen within um, a composition or sound, then that is between the listener ah, and okay. the sound. Not the creator, the person can't create a happening of truth. So it's a very engaging art form, then. You know, you're, you're, you know, it, the, the, the person that uh, enjoys your art really has to come to it with, the, with that in mind. Do you try and encourage people to do that, or do you leave it completely open for people just to? I leave it completely open. Right. I, I'm not here to dictate on how people listen or how people experience or engage with. Uh, my work, mm -hmm. um, it's up to them. I often think, if they think a sound or if they think something is amazing, um, if they hear something amazing within my work, um, it's not because their work is amazing, it's because they're amazing, <laughs> it's because their memories are amazing, mm -hmm. um, which kind of lets me off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> because if the sound is not good and they don't enjoy it, that's up to them. I suppose it's true of all art, isn't it? That it doesn't become a work of art until somebody engages mm. with it. Yeah. So you, you plant the seeds and you hope for flowers to bloom in, in the people, obviously. You just give them the opportunity to, um, to have that space to experience that happening of truth that uh, you defined beautifully, by the way. Thank you very much for putting it into easy words. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, so moving on to you talking about you've talked about your exhibitions and um, how you're creating these soundscapes for people to engage with, hopefully to 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 find that element of truth in it. What um, and you mentioned the technologies that you're working with and you're working with quite a lot of new technology. Um, I wondered if you could tell us a bit about that, how how you incorporate that into into your research. 
Well, a lot of the recordings and um, editing process that I go through use uh, ambisonics. Um, and Can you tell us what that is? <laughs> <laughs> so if you think, first of all, if you think of stereo sound, it's usually on a, a level plane with, with sound coming from left and right. Right. Well, if you think of ambisonics, um, it's 360 degrees of sound okay. where um, or a sphere of mm-hmm. sound. Um, so I sometimes use a, an ambisonic mic, which will record um, hopefully 360 degrees of sound. But then you can also use um, plugins and um, editing um, software that uh, can move sound around um, in this sound sphere. So you can play about with sound like that. So I, I use that. But this technology, although it's new, it was actually created in the 70s. Um, uh-huh. The What well, the theory behind um, the ambisonics? Yeah. But it's now becoming more apparent because people are using it for uh, virtual reality, augmented oh, okay, reality. And But I'm, I think the reason I love it is because of the spatialization. It's because I can... If we go back to the sculpture that I that I was trying to recreate, the sound that was whirling around, mm. um, it was really just the, the fascination of, that, yeah. of how of sound in space. Yeah, so, take, taking you back to that initial impulse. Mm. Then it's very complicated, though. You've got so you've got the the walking, the engagement with people, engagement with landscape and space and sound, and then you've got this very technical side. Yeah. It's a lot to juggle. Very, very different uh, approaches, and um, it's it's in your uh, uh, personal practice, in your work, in your PhD as well. You have a lot of things indeed to juggle with, and I was wondering, uh, how do you manage that? Do 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 your uh, do these different aspects of your life uh, feed into each other, or do you uh, clone yourself about three <laughs> to five times? First of all, fit all of that in a day. <laughs> No, first of all, I write a lot of lists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but apart from the lists, um, what I do try to do um, is make sure that anything that either I apply for or read or um, look into or create feeds into something else. Mm. So if I was doing uh, an application um, for um, an art work or I would have to make sure that it could tie into my PhD, that it will have some relevance. Uh-huh. Mm. Or even, and in, in same with, the, with my PhD, I try to uh, research things that will feed into my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything has to be interlinked. So my, artist pra- my art practice feeds into my PhD and my research from that feeds in. And I think that's the only way that I could possibly achieve um, my goal mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so the residency it will will inform the research it's part of the research in a way yes or it, or it actually is part of the research is that right so it's a big work of uh, rationalization well I'll be able to write about it afterwards and obviously I'll have the materials as well so I'll be able to look at it on a more academic plane where at the moment it's very much um, a social uh, um, in- social engaged plane I guess so just to ask about the f- uh, this is uh, just to ask about the form that your p- the, the thesis will take us uh, because you know I'm coming from 
a discipline that's largely writing and it's mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a manuscript and a, and, a, and a dissertation does your thesis encompass several installations or works of art several outputs that that you then write about around yeah that's exactly right, right okay so i will have um, um sound work that um, I have created compositions, but then I'll also have um, sound installations, obviously, um, and events and that I have um, worked on. So these all have to be documented really well, um, so I can give uh, people an idea of what that experience is. So, it, like, I might video a sound walk, or I might video an installation. Now, it's never going to be. It's never going to recreate what that experience was at that point mm -hmm. but it's the closest thing that i can do to um document mm -hmm. what it was that i was doing and then obviously i'll write about it as well brilliant um Interesting. i suppose just to ask then when 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 it completes when does the residency finish and does that tie in with the end of your phd or is that still a way to go or um, so um, I have at least another six months um, of my uh, residency right. so to go. So I'm halfway through um, my artist residency. So you're at 50 miles then. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't be finishing, as I'm a part-time PhD student, I won't be finishing until 2024. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what, what, what happens after that? What have you got planned next? Do you know? Uh, hopefully I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'll keep walking, I'll keep recording sound, I'll keep being curious, um, but hopefully I'll do it on a bigger scale mm. and it won't. I won't just focus on the UK. Um, I'll start to do some work in Europe. Oh, brilliant. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. Yeah. So just before we go then, um, it's been fascinating talking to you, but can you, what, you have a website just to let listeners know where you can find uh, examples of recent work? Well, if, if you're interested in the Murray Way, um, you would visit uh, the Murray Way Association okay. uh, website and there is a link on there to the artist in residency. Mm -hmm. But then if you want to um, look at my own personal uh, website, my website um, can be found on leaseolsongenerates.com. I would very much like to thank you for uh, putting all of that into word. It was a fascinating, fascinating, sorry, discussion. I'm losing my words, apparently, uh, especially for someone like me who is very much, you know, into visual arts, photography, painting and a lot of writing. <laughs> so um, getting to talk with someone who experiences a PhD in a very, very different manner, uh, much more um, active and, and uh in space, I want to say, because <laughs> that has been one of the big themes of uh, our talk was uh, eyes opening. So thank you very much he is for opening spending even. that time with us. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Aberdeen.